0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You
1: know, at the end of the day, football is football.
0: All it's all, all the time. Ooh, 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 that, that, that's spicy. All it's all.
1: All the time. Welcome to, 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 to first and foxboro.
0: All right, happy Labor Day weekend and start of week one of the NFL regular season. Oh my god, it's finally here. <laughs> finally. Um, I mean, even, even just like going through, through college football, which I'm not even necessarily a huge college no. football fan. Uh I I even had a little bit of fun watching that. But that voice <laughs> that you're hearing on the other side of this is former New England Patriot and Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham, whom I've kind of interacted with at Wiles through the Twitterverse. But this is my first time actually speaking to this man. And you know what? You you said something. I'm, I'm going to set this up for you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw you the lob right here. Okay. You said that um, it didn't really feel like Labor Day weekend for you because you have uh, some some big stuff going on right now in the food world. Why don't you tell the people what's going on?
1: Yeah, so for the last uh, 11 seasons, uh, I've worked at Nessun, and I've covered camp right alongside a lot of all the beat reporters, yourself included, and I've been there uh, start to finish you know, from from sometime there in late July all the way through February, and that's just kind of what my life's been for all these years, Uh, calling Game 3 ESPN on the weekend, doing college football, had a Big Ten network span in there for a little bit, but basically I've been a media member for the last almost 12 years. Uh, and when I was done at Nestle, I was in a contract that expired at the end of January, I've been sort of jonesing to get into food products. I went to Babson and got an MBA uh, right when my career ended uh, in New York. So I do. I have this company uh, that I started, the food products company, Spice Company called rub smoke love i don't know how to do the camera stuff here but uh yeah gold bark is one of the skews this is sort of a let's go I call, it, I call it fusion it's sort of a carolina barbecue kind of thing but there's some spices in there that might remind people a little more of a chinese barbecue so it has sort of a something you're not going to be able to find anywhere else these are these are unique uh and then uh, the other one my beast is beefcake so beefcake is uh but, but it's got a little coffee in there. It's oh, layered God. with some stuff. Again, it's a little bit like how I did the football analysis thing. I mean, if you're looking for something you've already had, it's probably not me. If you're looking for something you've already had, it's probably not these these spices. It's meant to be a little unique. It's meant to be sort of next level, and I think we've sort of knocked it out of the park. But just two SKUs for now, but you can find all that stuff on. On rubsmokelove.com.
0: Oh my God, that is that that right there. That that's a hell of an endorsement. Okay, I, I'm I'm already interested. Especially, might have to nab this. I, I might have to nab one of both of them, honestly, because my wife is a little bit more the the spicy, right? She 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 likes she likes a little bit more hot, a little bit more unique. I'm just like, yo, give me that, give me that steak rub, you know, the, the beef rub. That that's me. But look, okay, when I, when I saw him announce it, uh, what was it, a week ago on on Twitter. I think it might yeah. be a week or two yeah. ago. Oh my god, it looks delicious. Go on Matt's Twitter account and check out his pinned tweet. And by the way, you can you can find him at Chatham58 on Twitter. Seriously, looks delicious. Go check this out. Okay, so aside from the fact that I'm thrilled to to see how delicious all that looks, and I want I want to try I want to try those rubs. Look, man, you've been you've been very interesting in in the the Patriots analysis, and I think that. In regards to this team, a lot of us just have no idea what to expect. I mean, I mean, I've been there for oh, almost yes, every every training camp practice. Yes. The offense has looked brutal, uh, for for some parts of it and mostly been average to below average at other points. The defense has been like, Wow, okay, you guys look like a revelation, and then they go out and get smoked by the Raiders backups and such. At the same time, it's preseason, and I think I've been I've been trying to say this: like, don't. Overdo it with the preseason. There's there's experimentation. Bill Belichick has been telling us constantly, constantly. It's a process. Look, we're, we're you know, evaluating fundamentals and working on different things. Right. Basically, my starting question here is, how much should we read into what has happened during during the preseason in particular? extremely very little and i think this comes from experience It's not meant to sort of make people feel good
1: about something that might be bad because it could be bad and that's not my goal here my goal is more just tapping into experience and i I really think that i can even remember this as a player in 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 light of something where the information wasn't necessary about the pats so there was a year um we always had the thing where we played the giants right everyone knew that for the longest time you always play the giants in the fourth preseason game now there's no fourth preseason game uh, it used to be Tom Coughlin, he was he was sort of known for always leaving his dudes out there, even in that fourth preseason game, making those guys trot out there and play maybe even up to the whole first half, at least the first quarter, which you get on multiple series. And, you know, Bill would pull all the dudes out. So I was, you know, for played nine years, but I was usually a backup player. There was one year where we had a bunch of injury stuff going on outside my spot. And I was starting to be a little more established. This is maybe in the, you know, three, four, five range, somewhere in that range, somewhere around there. And Bill had actually, you know, I was a little disappointed. He's like, oh, damn, I'm being told I got to play in the fourth preseason game. Oh, is that like some bad omen kind of thing? And Bill had come out and actually had said something. He said, hey, we, we're banged up. Like, you know, just we need you. Just go out and compete like you normally do. Get out there and have fun. He's like, there's no, nothing to be read from this, but just please, I need you today and i was like okay you know i'm like okay so i don't have to read anything out and go out and play so anyway our air quote second group guys and and, and in candor you know i'm out on the field that day with the far 11s taking the field maybe five six maybe even seven of those guys aren't on the team the next monday right so that's just kind of how it is in the nfl but that group went out and for at least two series, might have been a third series against like your Jeremy Shockeys and your Brandon Jacobs and like good players, right? They're good offensive line. Yeah. We got two stops in a row. You know, we stopped them. So we're the we're the Raiders, right? We're the hey, we yeah. beat the hell out of their top two. But like it that offense for the Giants ended up, you know, it was a I don't remember the year. So was it a nine-win team or an eleven or a ten? I don't know, but it wasn't some joke. They were good, but it was super duper vanilla from them. And yeah. we had a super-duper advantage, right? So, you know, the 11 guys were with us. We didn't all make the Pro Bowl. You know, and, and the team across from us didn't end up stinking. And that's that's really the lesson here. I, 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 you tell this to people. They're not going to believe you because it's, it's in part. I, I think we've, as, as media, uh, that I guess I'm not a part of anymore, but <laughs> sort of learned this sort of cycle to use off-seasons to inform, for sure. It's not as if this is all false stuff. But to also sort of itemize lists of things to be worried about. And when you don't have great information, and that's kind of what, you know, the season is about. you got projections from drafts and, you know, free agents you think may or may not fit. And you've got all these collection of antidotes in an environment that is not the NFL. And that's the part that I think I get most hung up on. You, you know, I think the information from preseason and preseason games was demonstrably better Five, six, seven, eight years ago, because we were simulating the stuff you were just about to see in September. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's literally just a grab bag of one-on-one drills. There is some team stuff, but it's not—it's not that eleven collective running the play they would against the next group. I mean, it's—we were talking off air a little about this. Think of the second preseason game, and they've made a flop. to Hey, let's try Michael Winu back at right tackle just yeah. in case. Hey, let's throw a different person at guard in case this goes down in week eight, nine, or ten. There's a lot of this sort of flopping and just trying guys at spots. Uh, The defensive crew, especially uh, this camp, which hasn't been a big story. I mean, it's it's probably 15 dudes deep. Or if you were going to guess each week, who is the 11? I don't quite know. The linebacker group seems to move around quite a bit. The defensive back group shifts uh, pretty pretty regularly. And even the front four could be any one of six. You know, so when you say the Patriots defense or the Patriots offense. This is this is a personnel evaluation time. It's not a team evaluation. If they line up their 11, they run their best game plan against that other 11 and their best game plan, different things happen. So I just would impress upon people knowing that 2 out of 10 are going to actually believe me. Don't put that much stock in this because because here's how it will go down and we can, you know, argue in the alternative. In the event that they don't have a great season, you'll say, wow, see, those antidotes told me that was how it was going to be. Well, no, it wasn't those antidotes that told you how it was going to be. It just did become that way. So I don't know how they're going to be. And I I do like that you did hit on this sort of uncertainty element because that's big and that's real, right? Because you can't, I I would argue that you also can't use this uncertainty to presume, to presume they'll be good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can't, you you can't use it to presume they will be bad either. We just don't know. And that's kind of why, you know, it's a time of year where people like to use this stuff to to make a wins projection, you know, to make wagering stuff, to try to find ranges. Are they going to be somewhere between 8 and 10 win team or are they a playoff line team? We just don't know. And because of the uncertainty with a change in coordinator, because of some uncertainty with a second year player, that's making the change as that's happening because of the real deal top line item for me. And I know not for a lot of folks out there, but the top line item for me is a team that couldn't force another team to punt in the playoffs, right? They gave up 47 points. They couldn't Uh, force a team to punt. So how that's not uh, the top story from a, are they going to be good or not? It's that change. Can they get back to where they were for two thirds of the season a year ago with a, with a markedly different group of guys, that'll drive winning, but it won't drive headlines. And again, I've been in the business of, of trying to sell interest in daily columns and daily segments. When yeah. you, I completely get that. If I had talked about defensive back changes or linebacker body type changes, we'd have people fast asleep in the middle of June. I completely understand that. But now as we drive into real time, that's the stuff that actually will matter more
0: well, on who wins. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I want I want to get into the personnel part actually, right? Before we get into the the uh, you know offensive coordinator or whatever, because look, that's the kind of stuff that you know makes the headlines on ESPN, right? The can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, or who's going to be the offensive coordinator this year, and how much is it going to affect Mac Jones? It's like okay, it, it it might it might. I'm personally of the opinion that by the time the year ends. We might not be caring about this as much, but you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But when it comes to the 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 overall personnel of this team, I mean, I've heard some people say like, "Oh, their skill positions on offense are abhorrent compared to uh, the other teams in the division." And I'm like, okay, let's chill on that a little bit. I mean, it's they're they're not elite, but they're to me it's full of NFL caliber players like guys you can just trust and go out there to do their jobs same on the defense and you mentioned right this defense might be 15 players deep and the offense might be like you know 13 14 players deep or something like that i feel like this year puts a lot more on the coaching staff to mix and match and, and find the the best matchups for a given situation and and really rotate guys in and out to, to create this like perfect concoction in a way that maybe you don't need to do it when it's like oh I got Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson out there. Now nah, you just go ahead and and just lock it down. That's it. We don't really need to think about this too hard. Or oh, I got Tom Brady at quarterback. I mean, whatever. I'll I'll go play wide receiver and and it'll make it work, right? That kind of thing. It, there's there's going to be a lot happening here in, in my mind with with the coaching and how they match this personnel. And my question is, can the Patriots have a like a playoff team, like even as a wild card, a playoff team with a roster that is? Good, not great, and basically mixing and matching and, and having it be a chess match rather than it just I'm gonna be better than you.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the one of the sort of traps of, of NFL talk that I've noticed over the years is the quality of roster conversation. And I, I really think this often happens because the way it's best adjusted is a known like when you're comparing the other 31, of generally, this is just a a big rule, three names you know, maybe a fourth name you know on each side. And that drives the conversation. Strong roster because they got four strongs and four strongs, and wow, across the board. The Pats have one of those rosters where Christian Barmore could easily pop into this conversation of a top ten interior. He could. But when people do the glance-by-drive-by, they're not counting them as that right now, right? You go in one month of football, and all of a sudden, oh, shit, he plays at that level, and okay, never mind, right? Kyle Duggar is exactly like that. Kyle Duggar is a guy who who locally gets the appreciation. Locally, we see he's sort of on the cusp of being a lawyer, Malloy, possibly Rodney kind of guy. Like, he is aggressive. He's got leadership qualities. Dev goes over his skis about. Like, they know who he is. The lighting, market. lighting
0: guards on fire in yeah, yeah, the Oh my yeah, God! Yeah,
1: like he's a he's a, a next level guy. But when somebody does a drive by with this roster from Cleveland, or from Arizona, or from from Jacksonville, they're not counting those guys. They're counting those. Yeah. Those are okay guys. Those are okay guys. And all right. it takes, and this happens year after year after year. All it takes is one hot month and a start of three and one or something like that, or a couple of those knockout blows that they show on Sports Center, and they go, "Wait a minute! You know what? And this happened with Michael Wino a couple of years ago." He was a bad, bad old line because nobody knew who the hell Mike was. Mike comes out and plays, PFF has him off the charts for game after game after game, and say, "Oh, never mind, he's pretty good." So when you say it's average, not you, but I'm saying when when the perception is average or below several, average, yeah, when several of these guys are quite a bit better than that, but people just don't know about it. Christian, I would put Christian in that category. I would put, I would put Cole in that category. We just don't know, but you get yeah, you, you get four know. to six to seven great weeks out of them. All of a sudden, wait a minute rationalize why he took him there makes a ton of sense and he's playing a high level so the point is how good half a dozen of these guys are isn't known so it's easy to say they're probably pretty good but not the best not the worst because that's just like a hedge that's just a safe way and a safe place to be because you don't want to be like it's the best in the league and and again collection of best talent doesn't mean best winner or the team that's going to win the thing anyway but i just think when you prognosticate off of you know, a bunch of unknowns like the two Jones brothers we don't know what we get out of that they may be one or two of them may be big time uh, end-to-end contributors same with Jonathan who's been here for years and might not be playing boundary but when people say it's good but not great it's hedging that they won't play at a high level it's hedging that yeah. they'll play at a professional level but they may not be. That might not be the case. Ramondre Stevenson might have an absolute explosion of a year here, and all of a sudden the conversation changes again by the first week of October. We just don't know that. So, yeah. I have a really high opinion of a lot of those guys. But which way it'll go with them, you know, we gotta let it play out first.
0: you know what? There, there are a couple of players that come to mind when when I think about what you just said, and and main. So one guy is Tyquan Thornton, and just thinking like, okay. man, what I saw of him he was he was gonna play he was gonna yeah. play a lot more and a lot sooner than people thought he was going to because he was he, he really picked it up in a hurry he was clear he, he got better every time he hit the practice field and you, you could just see like from week to week like his routes were were getting crisper and in, at an alarming rate and i'm like okay this guy might have might be something and then he gets hurt and now we're not going to see him till mid-season we'll see what he does when when no. he comes back how much he plays but two guys that are projected to be around Nelson Aguilar and John U. Smith, two guys that didn't really do much of anything last year. And in particular, I think Nelson Aguilar was, it was a bit more of a role thing. He was being used as an outside receiver. He's not really an outside receiver. And in particular, because they didn't have a lot of depth at wide receiver, he was essentially being asked, okay, you go run down the field and create space for everybody. This year, It's been a bit more of, yeah, he can still have that role to an extent, but Devontae Parker is out there now on the outside and commanding coverage as an ex-receiver, and they're moving Nelson Aguilar around all over the place, and he's catching balls in the slot now, dragging across the middle of the field. And that, I feel like, is something that could elevate his level of play. Jonu Smith, I think that they've done a little bit more with him in terms of moving him around, making him a, a, a focused target in the passing game. I think that might elevate his level of play. So there there are certain guys you think, well, they sucked last year. They didn't do anything. So we can't count on them this year. And it's like, you know what? Maybe they won't have a great year. But from what I've seen, we might be able to expect better from him. And so I feel like that is part of the discussion there is we're looking at certain players based on past performance or 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 projecting ba- uh, like what we think they're going to be in the future like eh, you know they might be fine or oh my god I think Kendrick Bourne's going to be awesome and now he's in the doghouse you know so it's like there we don't the truth is we don't know what these guys are going to do in the season yeah and i
1: i think okay so we we you covered sort of all the names and, yeah. and each one has their own sort of no but each one sort of has their own unique circumstance and i i think it's it's plausible and that's why this that's why football's fun that's why I prefer to cover it and talk about it this way as opposed to we know we don't know. And and really, I don't think anyone out there should be surprised if, if Jonah Smith has 600 yards and has a big year and his role dramatically increases, but then the guy, in the event that it stays flat like it was a year ago, there's that same person out there that said, I told you so. And that wouldn't be surprising, right? But neither is more likely than one or the other. Uh, it really isn't. Jonah has a history in the league prior to here that's better than what we saw a year ago. And if, as long as there's no physical limitation, it could be one of those two things. You'll be really happy about one and less so about the other. And I think the thing with Nelson is very similar. I, I liked that you said that, you know, he can settle into something where he's no longer the focus because he can be a move around, possibly catch and run more so than yes. in deep dig and deep comeback and, and the vertical element necessarily. Um, one thing to also keep in mind, I, this happens constantly in the film. And it doesn't just happen with us. It happens in other markets. I think it happens from our market in relation to other teams in other markets. Devontae Parker is a name who was – roundly appreciated here uh, two full seasons ago when uh-huh. he's the only guy that was given Stefan Gilmore trouble, right? He was, he, there was a time where that that was the guy that got Stefan. It's when Stefan was, you know, first team all pro kind of guy. And they're two years removed from that, right? His, he had injury problems. He had stay on the field issues. His role was massively reduced in another place and that helps move the conversation down to, okay, he must not be so good anymore. He has a solid camp here. He's highly regarded here. In the event of health, if he performs at that level as the guy who gave the best corner in football trouble, don't be surprised if he goes out and has a 1,000-yard season. But it's all contingent upon health, and we know that. And it's also contingent upon the relationship with the quarterback. When quarterbacks change and that new guy doesn't target you nearly as much, yeah. if he doesn't make efforts to get you the ball, you don't get numbers, right? You don't catch balls, not thrown. And it isn't just about who got open. It isn't just about where the play was schemed. We saw that a lot last year. So I'm, I'm bouncing back to the other name. I think Jonu Smith is a great example of a person who got balls last year largely on scheme plays. They would, and it was, there were a lot of weeks where early within the script, inside the first 15 plays, yeah. there was a get Jonu the ball play. And if it didn't bring much fruit, there wasn't much the rest of the game. And, yeah, it, was, it think, was like
0: the John U. Smith uh you know end around or, or like jet sweep yeah, or whatever, exactly. and then and then bam, the, that was it.
1: The scheme to play where he's intended to get it, and if it got three yards, not gonna see much more of it, right? So I, I think where guys where guys accumulate is when it's not the scheme play to me. I'm just out in the pattern and 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 Mac has a comfort level of finding me wherever I happen to be, even when things are tight. That's when a guy goes and gets 60-80 balls, not by having sixty to eighty scheme plays made for them. So Joe And and Hunter's the exact same way. They'll get volume. They'll be more productive when the play doesn't push it to them. You know, when the guy with the ball in his hands finds them because of comfort level, because of trust, because of sort of the the non-communicative relationship stuff. So which of the guys comes out that way? If it's more if it's more Myers, excuse me. If it's more Devontae. If it is uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Just remember this. And we didn't. I'm not even touching on Kendrick. Remember this. We just mentioned six, seven yeah. you know, really legitimate pros who could have solid years. Ramondre more in the passing game. Damian Harris could have 1,200 yards on the ground. We just He's don't been know. Be-
0: he, and, and Damian's been better out of the
1: backfield. Uh, it, absolutely. So we don't know where they'll go. But if all these, all these things, we do know that all these things can't happen at the same time. So if Kendrick Bourne takes it another level and has a 1,000-yard season and becomes the top target. If Devontae has the resurgent year and, and does that, that means – and it, do, it it will be read this way, but it doesn't mean it – but that Nelson's failing, right? right. So, but, but that doesn't mean that he's failing. But Mac cannot throw three balls at once, right? So if Mac has a year where he's like, you know what? Devontae's this new target I love. Uh, Bourne is the guy I go to for catch and run. Myers is a great sticks guy when I got to have it. Henry, I love in the red zone. Jonu, we have scheme plays for. Uh, oh, I didn't mention Nelson. Nelson sucks. But, but that's not really what's happening. But there's just, look at everyone else's roster. Look at everyone else's yeah. sort of end of year. The the fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth option don't have a 1,000 yards receiving. That's just, there's only so many balls that go around. So everyone can't succeed at once. And when someone doesn't, it's because someone else made a choice. It doesn't mean it's because they failed or suck. So I like that they've built themselves with you know, seven to eight plausible ways this could go. That mean, and then none of them look like all first team all pros. That's, I think that's a fair, fair analysis. And it doesn't even matter if their peers both them first, you know, pro bowlers. I think you do have, you know, B to A level, uh, air quote, weapons at like seven or eight spots. These are all guys who can be productive based on where, you know, the choices are made to press the offense. And that's a good place to be because you got to presume over the course of 17. Two or three of them are going to miss chunks of time because of injury, yeah. and you can mix and match that group and still find work. And you know that's all of that was mentioned without the Thornton name because he's going to be gone for a chunk. But if he comes back and gives you anything, that's good. Good place to be. The depth I think is very solid with this team.
0: Absolutely, and you know what? It's interesting because there's been data out there to suggest that the best indicator of, of like quarterback decision making—it's not just about Oh yeah, did you throw to uh, you know the 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 open guy or you know so, so be it or something like that? Right. It's it's like okay, is it how well you get off your first read in a way? Because if you have one really good guy, like if you have a Tyreek Hill, then a team like like Bill Belichick, you know, or the, the Patriots might find a way to scheme the ball away from Tyreek, you know, Tyreek Hill. You know, Absolutely. so it's like double teams. Um, you know, you throw John Jones on there and just be like, okay, look, you defend him. Well, we'll, we'll do that and ride with it or whatever, but you're going to throw waves of bodies and waves of, of defense at him. But then who's your second guy? Who's your third guy? Who's your fourth guy? How well can you find them and, and keep the chains moving? And I feel like that's something Mac Jones, even as a rookie did a solid job of obviously the question with him is, I mean, aside from just, Oh yeah. Like, is he too physically limited to, uh, you know, become a top quarterback, which I don't really think that's the case, to be honest with you. I, but the, the big question, at least for this year, is how much is the scheme change and how much is the offensive coaching staff going to affect his development? I, with, I guess it's a tough question to figure out, either one, based on the preseason, because as you mentioned earlier, to call back to this, things are pretty vanilla, right? They're, they're testing things. They're working on things. Jones hinted and and some others have hinted that they're like some people are wondering why isn't he just checking out of these bad plays and running them into these bad fronts it's a it's a sign that he's not developing it's because they asked him to run the play so that they could get it on film right so i mean this is all essentially practice it's glorified practice but yes. when the season begins do you think that this you know, kind of maybe even more balanced to the outside zone stuff versus what they've done in the past, that it could negatively affect the offensive performance? And how much, if at all, do you think the Matt, Patricia, Joe, Judge, whatever triumvirate thing that they're doing could hurt him this year?
1: Here's the way I process it. Here's how I look at it with Matty P. Um, There isn't – I understand usually the absence of, of information with a media member or a fan presumes the worst. If if I don't know it's bad, right? And and yeah. I think Matt Patricia is a great example of that. They don't know what he knows. They don't know what players who have played for him know about him. So in the absence of a bullet point on Wikipedia, in the absence of something to tell me that this will work, I presume that it won't. That's just that's just how it works in media. They would feel uh, I I feel like there's a segment of the fans in media as well that would feel more comfortable. With a guy who played, who'd been the OC at Ohio State for the last 12 years, who was taking over the gig in the spring now, as opposed to Matt, 19 years in the NFL, uh, just having not called that stuff, and and I know that that I know that personally, to be completely backwards, experience in the league is not just I called plays at this college and now I'm going to call different plays for you and teach to different people. The OC's number one job more than picking the Madden play and pushing the two buttons is to teach it to the scheme during the course of the week. It's really important. It's it's, it's the part that is really hard to communicate to people that haven't had, don't have this background and haven't been in these rooms, but it's really less about, you know, picking up the giant sheet and the OC you want is the one that's better picking the right one. The OC is the one who's in there at 3 a.m. with the rest of the staff, 12 dudes in a room filtering, filtering through the 180 plays to come up with the 35 to 40. They're going to they're going to target for that week. And then the OC's job really in D.C. I mean, obviously, I see it more from the other side of the ball, but it's it's in the same regards. I put a lot less focus on which guy chose if we were playing cover four, or cover two, or which pressure, which tag we went. It wasn't who chose what on which down that makes a DC or an OC the thing. It's who teaches it throughout the course of the week, who chooses what's best in the best basket to go into the game with. It's not best play, best whatever, because most of the stuff is meant to fit. So the guy that the guy, – let's put it this way. Hypothetical team, not this team, any other team. A bad OC is a guy who's going to come and who can't problem solve, can't teach, doesn't really inherently uh, understand what's going on in the receiver room versus the O line stuff with protection issues or back pickups, or just doesn't know how to solve something when shit goes sideways. And there is not a person who's been around Matt Patricia, even in Detroit, where. He did not work as a head coach, 1,000%, but this is a different gig. There's not someone who's been around this guy that thinks he can't do this. And, and literally you throw you throw 500 offensive coaches that might be whizzes in high school or college or anyone in a room right now and throw their freaking current bullet points out. Matt Patricia can explain the intricacies of an offensive play and choose the correct one, or then when shit goes sideways, tell you why it was wrong, and then make the adjustment as good as anyone out there. He's one of the brightest football people I've ever been around. Now, if we if we took him, and reason things have soured on him uh, yeah. locally is because they can't you know erase the last three years from their memory, but he's still the defensive coordinator here, wearing the you know the Goodell clown shirt coming off the plane that was beloved because of the game plans he kept putting together that went so well. That guy knows football, right? So if you'd feel more comfortable because you had Mike McDaniel, the hot new OC yeah. from some of the places. If he hadn't got the head coach job and he'd been in here doing this, hired to, to build staff, it wouldn't be any less rough over the course of a short training camp. Most he likely, yeah. It looked the same, it really wouldn't be that much different, and you'd give him, you give him leash because, hey, there's a change in young quarterback and blah, blah, blah. So. Just understand Bill's job is to evaluate staff's ability to grasp it, to teach it, to tell you what it is you're supposed to do And to be able to discern when you don't do it, why you didn't and how to make the adjustment. That's the gig you're telling what the, the hedge you'd have to make the gamble you'd have to make to say that Matt was the wrong choice to do it is that basically bill isn't good at judging who can handle this stuff. Who who can process this stuff. And I think that's a poor bet. I I really do. Now I don't know much about Joe judge. So how he sort of communicates quarterback related things I can't speak to, but, the greatest coach ever says he can. So I have a hard time betting against that. Does that make mean he's gonna be the new Mike McDaniel from all this? No, I don't know that. But but he understands the gravity of the situation. It's not as if Bill doesn't know what every fan and media member is saying. Hey, you can't ruin the guy second. Year. Of course he knows that. Of course he knows, yeah. knows that.
0: And it's he's like, like you don't you don't think that. I know what I've got here in a young yes, quarterback exactly. who did well. You yeah. know
1: what I got exactly. And that and that's the point. So the, the backstop to all this is Bill himself. If, it, if, if there are struggles and bumps, I'm here to smooth the road because I'm a, 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 a pant legs rolled up, arm sleeves cut off in the practice with each position group and scheme yeah. throughout the year. And he's not like Marv Levy of years ago or Dick Vermeil when those guys were sort of venerable figures in the 70s. They were overseers. They weren't coaching groups. Bill still wears cleats occasionally to practice. Yeah, right? yeah, he does. His first
0: day, first day of camp. First day it's of not camp. as if
1: he's cutting them loose and saying, I'll be up on my whistle upstairs. Good luck to you guys with the offense. Bill's in the staff meetings, he's in the quarterback meeting rooms. He's going back to, O's, to, to the O's. He's an overseer for really everything that goes on. So I, I just don't understand. Listen, there are reasons to doubt the team might play well. When your issue with the Patriots is that they might not have good enough instruction, you're just disjointed from reality. It's not what goes on there. And that's what I try to like tell people. It's like, okay, they may have picked the wrong player, they may have, you know, not developed the players they did have well. They may be making some other wrong choices, but it's never going to be because they didn't get good enough coaching. it's just, you're taking such a wild leaf to think that that's what will be the problem with him because then you think Bill's an idiot. And if you think Bill's an idiot, you're a really, really wild talk radio place. That's just not reality.
0: Yeah. And you know what, I, what you were talking about with Patricia in particular, it, it touches, it touched off so many things in my head about the way that media talks about football and the Patriots in particular, because this is my experience right now and, and how and how fans, you know, look at it. And, and in particular with the preseason games, right. Just, just to go back to this real quick, people are, you know, get, get you know, up in arms about, Oh, they didn't play those like 15 snaps or whatever in preseason week one. Right. And how dare you not do that as if they didn't just have like 60 reps in practice, right. Just like uh, during, during like one practice. Right. And then right. in the course of, of, uh, you know, a week, they've played like 10 times that many snaps in practice. So it's like they're getting work in, right? It's like preseason. is But the thing is, like, most people who who aren't media or, you know, are with the team, they don't get to see that work. Preseason games, you get to see the work on TV, and that's the way you can judge it. And if you can't judge it, like you said, then that means it's bad, right? That means that they don't trust Mac Jones to, know, behind this offensive line and, like, the different – uh, things with that. But but I'll tell you, what, I want to seize on the thing you said with Patricia because Mac Jones has said that he's one of the most brilliant football minds that he's been around. I've You've seen other people say that Matt Patricia is a brilliant football mind. And yet you've got people around here that are saying, well, Matt Patricia like, Matt Patricia's dumb. He's an idiot. How dare you say that? And it's like, look, he failed in Detroit. And maybe part of it was because he was trying to be something that he wasn't, which was he was trying to be built. And, you know, some of the, the things that he would say and the way that he would act like kind of doing this hardo thing or whatever that that wasn't maybe really him or, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe maybe there's something else with that. But the idea that he can't coach football, that to me just just never really resonated with me. And it doesn't resonate to me now. And I have a hard time listening to anybody who says that. And so it's like, look, it might not work. This year might not go that well, but. The idea that it's because Matt Patricia is is dumb and can't coach football—that's like the 18th reason I think that this would be.
1: Yeah, it, does, it just doesn't make a—it just doesn't make a ton of sense, and I think that's why, you know, things can go sideways for a number of different reasons. We can even—I think the best way to look at it is look at look at the way they lost in but in, in Buffalo, right? The yeah. way that, and I think. A, a, a layperson with no background in this, just loves her team, buys the gear, goes to the games, watches it on TV, has the big meal. Hopefully, uh, you know, using the spices. To <laughs> to eat yes, the use those spices.
0: Hey, rub smoke love. Yeah. Hook it up. Let's go.
1: But the, but the point is, the, when you consume it that way, I don't care if that is your background and that's how you do professional football. And you take the other extreme, the the, the guys that are super egg heady into it, that are watching the L-22, that are covering the minutiae and all that stuff. Both those people gathered in the same room could not watch the stuff that went down in Buffalo and say it was wrong play call choice that kept them from stopping them from- uh it's just not that there, like, there, was, there, was, there was a was point no where no play
0: call that was going to do anything about there that.
1: was no play call that could have changed it you can you can suggest scheme changes until you're blue in the face you can change the human that's signaling it in. that isn't what's going on like no, it's it was just,
0: it was the human the humans on the other side of the ball were yeah. so much better than you that it didn't yeah. matter what you did Exactly. It didn't matter, it didn't matter that, what they did the game before either. That does, that does happen in football from time to time. And a lot of times it's driven by
1: injuries. You've made some particular scheme choices. You've gotten thin. And, and you run into the wrong opponent at a time that is rolling in their passing game. And you've had some issues on your backs on your back end. And you're a little less quick and athletic at the linebacker. Like basically, it's like you're built the way that they are really built to manipulate. And you're a little banged up. It's going to be gangbusters. And it was. So that ultimately wins and loses games i know that drives people crazy because if it ultimately is about performance and then gosh you know all these conversations and columns and segments we did about who had who and who called what and who did what And it really came down to sort of physical matchups that were won or lost by people. Like, it's really hard to put that into a package to sell it. So I get it. But that's ultimately what is usually the fail in most plays. And all these years of doing this stuff in the athletic writing, we do columns and break it down. It's usually not play choice. It's rarely when you say this, this play sucked or this play rocked, it's usually performance. It's usually execution. It's not play choice. It is. It's not that it can't be, but it's usually not. That's usually not where the failure was. So if it's not which play the guy chose, then why do we spend so much talking about who might call it and what they're going to call We're really spending the preponderance of time on something that's a minor factor here. And so players play and that's coach Belichick will be the first one to tell you that ultimately he's, he's decided to go with this 53. The other 31 have decided to go with their 53. There's personnel decisions that bring you to that point. There's training camp and all that, and then cut decisions. But ultimately the best team that's going to come out of this probably accumulated the right mix of guys, not the best group of guys, but the right mix of guys that the can right sort mix. of the right mix that can sort of warrant the waves that come with the full season. It's not the team that's going to win this year. Isn't going to be the one that picked the best place. It's just, it it, it comes up situationally from time to time, but it's really not that. So when we spend a a six month cycle arguing about the guy and the play call, it's just, it's not that dude. It's just, it really isn't. And it's really almost pushed me away from wanting to do this stuff because of a fixation on – I don't know how many times I can say it over and over again. That's not what's going to drive this. That's not what's going to be whether or not this goes well or or bad.
0: That's, I mean, preaching to the choir here, I would say. And, and, and again, like, sure, could be a disaster. <laughs> you know, it's like anything is possible. But it's like, will it be a disaster? Probably not. Okay, we talked a lot of offense here. I want, I want to close out with a little bit of defense because, as you mentioned, right – yeah, the, the Patriots could have been better on offense during that wild card, you know, weekend game last year. They could have been a little bit better on offense of the you know past the, the, the last two games of last season, but they weren't stopping anybody. So now we got to figure out if this version of the defense can stop people and one thing that people have fixated on is the fact that there's no one true lockdown cornerback here. Jalen Mills looks like he might be your cornerback one. John Jones has been a really interesting person to stick on the outside. I think he. I mean, he, he looks like John Jones. I mean, he's 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 competitive in coverage. He's he's quick. He's in people's hip pocket. That's what he does. Miles Bryant, he's you know a veteran competitor. Right. Uh, Marcus Jones. I like the things that he's, that I saw from him, Jack Jones too, but they need a little bit of seasoning here. So that's one thing. Then the linebackers are another where people were saying in the draft, we need to get one of those fast sideline, a sideline linebackers, get your Fred Warner or something like that. They decided to roll with Jawan Bentley and Raquan McMillan. They traded for Mac Wilson. So again, it seems like it's a bit more of a look, we are trying to create as many possible matchups that that we can use against these these fast athletic versatile teams rather than okay we're gonna we're gonna try and and reach for like this one big name that's gonna that's gonna save it all and my question to you is and again we've we've kind of touched on this from the offensive standpoint here is that gonna be enough when Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle come to town or Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis come to town
1: the answer to that for me is uh, <laughs> two things, and it's not it's not popular because I I usually answer passing game questions with running game, uh, and that's and I know that 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 sort of like me sort of twisting the story, but I think part of your defense one of the very best things you can do is, is shorten clock. And I've always believed, and, and I think it's bore out, especially with teams like Tennessee that continues to stay near the top. They flopped in the playoffs last year. I get it. But they did have the best record in the AFC. They were right up there at the top. They're, they're at or near the top because they clock control on the other side. So when you tell. when and you without, ask question,
0: without great quarterback. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's fine. He's a, he's a veteran guy, yeah. but he's not elite.
1: And, and Henry banged up throughout most of the year, only available late, right? So, But the point of that is when you ask me about how this defense is going to perform, you need to tell me uh, is the other side clock controlling even a little bit or is the other side having six-play series or they kick it back and, you know, five minutes of time have gone off and you're back on the field again. That is part of defense. It li- it really is. Uh, Damian Harris uh, and, and that group having 12-play drives, even that end in threes, are part of the de- defensive performance. Anything that keeps the other team off the field is part of the defense, or at least keeps them from scoring. And possession keeps the other team from scoring. So if you can tell me that the Patriots have the old-school, healthy offense back running the football, that's a part of my answer about whether or not the defense is going to perform well. And I think it's important to understand that uh, yeah, they. I mean, you're not this lying. is really important because of, we've had an offseason of talk about the zone run scheme stuff being the norm new thing and it may very well be but just understand this i've seen this happen many many times we're an off season of talk about whether it be more shift demand versus zone or more shift of pressure versus no pressure or front choices or we're going to get away from this and so no more three four we're all going to be four three this stuff changes on a dime and that's why this place has always been a place that's taught at all because if They may have had that intention for the offseason, and they may have gone through this and said, yeah, but it's not what we do best. And they will gap scheme run in a second, and you will be not surprised to look out there in week two and say, hey, we had 32 runs on the day, and 22 of them were actually gap scheme related. Because you know what? We learned that that's what we do best. Okay? We had the idea to do the other. We shopped it. We did it. Didn't work. Doesn't fit our personnel in a couple different ways. So don't think that this place can't pivot in a moment and will. They know they need to run the ball. They won't do it in a way that doesn't work for them. And if they continue repeatedly not have success, they'll go to the stuff that gives them success. And they've got five that can block the old way, if not the new. So just think of that in 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 relation to how they need to defend because they need to not be on the field all day. And if that's the case then they also need to stop people's running game. I think they really got into the issue The Buffalo example is not a great one because Buffalo was literally with, I think, the game's best quarterback other than Brady at the time. He was really playing at that level at least the last month and a half. He, you know, Brady is the guy because he'll be more consistent. But Allen to me was better than Rodgers. His
0: talent level is. Yeah.
1: He was better than Rodgers, especially in biggest moments. He was better than Mahomes because he plays too ragged at times. Josh is there. Josh is really at that level. And you have a guy playing at that level at that time and had as much to work with as the Pats dealing with, they were dealing with, you're going to have a colossal problem. They did. So I do think, though, the Pats need to get back. To a point where they defend everyone, and that was the biggest issue and why they were so vulnerable against Buffalo. Buffalo didn't crush you by sending 14 balls to stefan Diggs. They killed you because McKenzie had big days, because Davis oh, yeah. had big days, because they're starting to work the ball to the tight end. They include the backs more. You have to be able to win the third, fourth, and fifth magic m- matchup to be able to absolutely close that down. If Josh has the ability to go to whomever he wants, you got trouble, right? You need to be able to dictate and send the ball to a certain place, and that means. Winning the early downs, which is why guys like Godchow are so expensive. It's important. It's why Bentley's so important. Because you need to be in second and eight, not second and two. And that they can then have the change out and get the body types that play better in space. That's completely fine. But you have to win first and second down to make all these decisions for the space players to make more sense. And I think what you should feel good about with the Patriots is that They've got intriguing options from coverage. I mean, we haven't even talked about Adrian Phillips. The guy was a monster last year yeah. and has been, like, quiet all day. I mean, we haven't really – has there been an Adrian Phillips blurb throughout the offseason? I don't remember that. but He's still he's, he's, a, he's still just doing his thing. I mean, a that's I mean, he flies under it. the radar. He's a massive figure in this defense. Him and Duggar and however Jabril Peppers is really kind of like those guys is going to fit into all this. And how they'll use Dev as an older player that still has it but can – you know, just do a lot of different things. You do not have, as we sit here today, uh, a JC Jackson of the last couple seasons, Butler prior to, oh, Gilmore prior to that, Butler prior to that. You do not have a guy that, you know, if we're walking into each and each consecutive week, we presume that this go, guy goes and covers that guy, and then you figure out the scheme for that. That's not who they are, at least until otherwise proven. You know, maybe maybe Mills is that kind of player. We don't know, but unlikely because his profile hasn't been that in the past, and unlikely because Jonathan's hasn't. So it's a mix and match group. But I guess I would much I would feel more comfortable if I was calling plays as a defensive coordinator and having to to hold people down. If I felt really good. About the six coverage players I had out there. As opposed to feeling excellent, wipe my mind, don't even have to care about the one, feel pretty good about the two. I know I have a vulnerability at three and four. Well, Hope yeah. to God we don't hurt get hurt at five because then we gotta put somebody on here who's not ready to play. That's yeah. not who this team is. They literally have, and I didn't mention Brian, they have a bunch of guys who can win their matchup, and that's important. I think that's very helpful. And they weren't at that spot in, in January of last year. So, you know. Health has to happen. They have to stay high on that. But I think they have a a diverse group to find multiple ways to win. We saw this, though, unfortunately, in pockets of games last year, And this, especially as things started to go bad. It was the quick score drive. It was excellent, excellent, you know, for a series, for two series, and then these six play drives, you know, where it's a chunk run, too much in a check down, a a chunk pass, and then – Two quick plays in the red zone and they scored, and then it, it immediately eliminates what might follow of 20 plays of really good defense. But they just gave up too much too quickly, yeah. so they got to be a little better situational. And it's you know that's that's kind of a rough big picture thing to say because we don't know it's a new group, but um, I, I think that kind of even if you make a team go 15 plays and get three, that's helpful for the other side. Because because of the style of football, I think the Pats need to play. Mac is better when he's a play action guy. Mac is better when you're not just ears peering back chasing after him. If you have to sit on your read because Michael Winu might be coming out to plow you down and not just kick stepping, that changes life for the quarterback and it changes life for the defense because they can go get a drink, they can actually make the adjustments they need to make. Um, so it's just it's just a long winded point to basically say all this stuff is connected. How it'll play out is they'll need to play better collectively, and it'll really sort of be all three phases.
0: Yes, sir. Yo, Matt Chatham, thank you so much for for giving us the lowdown on this team. I once again these last these last couple of uh, of podcasts that I've done. I did one with Tim Jenkins, who's a former quarterback. Uh, I've learned a lot more about football than I feel like I did most of training camp. Just by sitting and listening to y'all talking, so uh, I, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. That's that is the fun of this job. So thank you very much for uh, you know just just laying it on me, man. I know the listeners are gonna love it. And yo, good luck with your endeavors. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try to find some way to order some stuff off you. Okay.
1: There you go. All right. Thanks for having me.